Hey, what's up? It's Ross. I love doing this podcast. And the whole thing started with this newsletter I was reading called V by Viacom. And they were just exploring all the aspects of what it takes to be first with fans. So I read it. I subscribe. I think you should. It's pretty cool. And it's totally connected to what we're doing right here. So subscribe. It's V by Viacom.com slash subscribe. Okay, here's the show. Hey, what's up? It's Ross Martin. Welcome to Fan Club, the podcast that explores why we love what we love. All right, so I'm what you would technically call a sneakerhead. What's a sneakerhead? To me, a sneakerhead is someone who starts his outfit off with a sneaker and formulates everything around that. Collecting becomes like a habit, and it's very, it's a good feeling when you get a new pair of shoes. I would say I'm a sneakerhead, but I don't think I'm a big, big sneakerhead like some people. Some people buy everything. I gotta keep the kicks fresh. Like the ones I got on from like 2003, nobody has these. You get what I'm saying? They're like falling apart and I got another pair. Same exact pair stored away in storage just because they're important to me. Are you a sneakerhead? No. You don't like new sneakers? Yeah, but I'm not a sneakerhead. <laughs> I said, I'm, too, I'm in too deep, so I can't get out. <laughs> I love wearing sneakers because they're an expression not just of who I am, but also how I feel that day. So today I'm just psyched because We've got a killer show, and it starts with Ryan Babenzian. So Ryan's the founder and CEO of Greats. It's the only sneaker company in Brooklyn, so we had to have him on the show. And then I talk with Ron Farris of Nike, whose entire job is to use social to channel the power of obsessed fans. Lace up your kicks. It's Sneakerheads, today on Fan Club. Okay, so the other day I invited my friend Ryan Babenzine into my home to check out my sneaker closet. All right. Cool. Let's do it. Let's do it. And I'm sweating a little bit because Ryan knows kicks, right? He knows them better than I ever will. He's been a sneakerhead since he was a teenager on Long Island, and he turned that passion into the only Brooklyn-based sneaker company, which is called Greats. So we go to my closet, which, I, to be honest with you, the night before I kind of color-coordinated it because I, I didn't want Ryan to not think that I was organized. So it's, it's actually, it doesn't ever look this perfect. But, <laughs> and I started with a pair of Nike Air Force Ones. So these are my favorites. Which are unique and special to me because my wife gave them to me and they have the names of my sons on the heels. Theo, who's eight, Dash, who's 14. Like, this is the only pair that I don't wear. Then there are the ones that have meaning because there was a moment in time where I was working on something, and these just really stand for that moment in my career. So another pair I'll show you is that my, my first job in the industry was working for Spike Lee. So for me, my, my sneaker closet is kind of like a triptych or like it's like a photo album. And each pair reminds me of a certain point in my life. These are the BET Hip Hop Awards 2008 sneaker. And it says a little bit about who I was or who I wanted to be. And then I guess that all adds up in some way to who I am now. I noticed you take out your insoles a lot. Yeah. I always do. Why? Because I have orthotics. <laughs> oh, okay. And then it was time for Judgment Day. Okay, so Ryan, what does my sneaker collection say about me? And don't hold back. Yeah, no, I think, look, you've got, out of all of this, it's all in the classics. Every pair of shoes you have that you just showed me comes from 
really heritage stuff. It's old. It's all old. Ouch. Is that a bad thing? I think it says you, you truly buy sneakers to wear that you like and not to collect and trade. Because nothing in here is actually... You're not going to get $5,000 for any of this stuff. Right. You're not going to go to you know, stadium goods and trade your collection. Right. It's just stuff that you happen to like and wear. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's a bad thing. It, it's true, I guess. I am the guy who's going to go buy the kicks that I really, really want, but then I'm going to wear them. And in fact, I'm going to wear the shit out of them. So I'm not going to keep them and collect them and keep them pristine and then sell them for 10 times what I bought them for. I mean, he nailed it. You I love sneakers, but you I love sneakers for the right reason, in my opinion. You love sneakers to actually wear them, not to like create revenue from. All right, tour's over. I think I'm done being psychoanalyzed. Let's go downstairs and chill with Ryan. Ryan Babenzine, welcome to my house and welcome to Fan Club. Thanks, man. So good to see you. So Ryan, like I've had the chance to go tour your studio and your office and see where you guys are designing and making the sneakers for greats. Can you tell me a little bit about the origin story of why you started this company and you know dedicated your life to like the business of making kicks? So the, my interest in sneakers goes way back, you know, since I was six. My dad was a high school gym teacher, and his uniform was whatever he wore up top and sneakers. So he had twenty pairs, and I just thought everybody's dad had twenty pairs of sneakers. So, <laughs> so my interest in sneakers started from it was super organic. I thought it was normal. And then on top of that, like being a gym teacher, we had like every piece of gear you could have, like helmets and catcher's gear. And so I was into things, stuff. But that was where my kind of fascination with sneakers started. Did you have like a favorite pair of sneakers when you were a kid? My earliest recollection of what my favorite sneaker was, was the one that I coveted when I wanted something. Like, and I was like 11. And it was an Adidas Abdul-Jabbar white on white. Like, white on white. Like, the popular one was blue stripes on white. But there was a white on white. Did you ever get it? I did get it. Oh, yeah, yeah. My, my parents had to drive to Queens. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like a search. It took like a month. And how, did you, how did you find out where they were? I mean, this is sort of like before you want, internet sneaker culture. Way before all that. Like, you literally had to go look in the yellow pages of a sports store. So we would just run down the list. So first you go to every mall and then you go and you just keep digging. And in Long Island, they just didn't have it. But my cousin had it. So I knew it existed. And I'm, I'm, my cousin was really like, he came from like an inner city environment. So they got, you know, they lived that thing a little closer. And I made my parents like go to Queens to get it. It seems like great is you living like the ultimate fan dream, right? Like <laughs> I'm a fan of sneakers and all I want is for some sneaker company one day to think I'm cool enough to make, you know, the Ross Martin sneaker. Like, or it's like, you know, it's like somebody plus Ross Martin, right? And then I'm like, oh, that, that would be like my dream. But I wouldn't even think to have the dream of, like, I'm such a big fan, I'm gonna just have my own company that makes all the sneakers I love. I mean, aren't you, you're kind of like living the dream. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 an, it's a full circle story for sure. And it, but it, it's never an easy thing to create a company, even if you're passionate about it. I think that if you're not passionate about it and you're trying to create a company, it's even extra hard, right? Like creating a company, start, startups are just hard, like no matter what you're doing. So you need to be 100% invested 
and passionate about it because for the most part, most of them fail. They just do. I think passion has a lot to do with that. Often sneakerheads like try to create an identity for themselves by the sneakers that they wear. What do you think of, of that kind of expression of fandom? I think for a guy, sneakers identify what tribe you're with or what crew you're with or what, what you are about. And the other thing are actually watches. So footwear and watches identify a adolescent teen all the way through adulthood. So I think it means a lot. Uh, my last question is, look, it, you know, there's a burgeoning fan base around greats. And I imagine when you open the store this summer, that's just going to continue to grow. And I'm watching what you guys are producing and how hard you're working and the tone of how you're communicating with your fans. For the fans of greats that are listening now, what do you want to say to them? Thank you. <laughs> no, really. I mean, we. it's fascinating to me that I have been able to get somebody to put their money down for a pair of shoes before we ever opened a retail experience. Like, literally going online, seeing a picture. 100,000 of them. Pairs, yeah. 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 I know. It's fascinating. So, really, thank you. Like, I have nothing other. It's, it's a, my debt of gratitude and... I want to thank Ryan for coming on Fan Club. It's been awesome to have you over at my house and have you not make too much fun of my sneaker collection. <laughs> Thanks, man. It was my pleasure. Thank you. All right, so let's take a quick break and let me tell you about this whole other way that you can learn about fandom. It's called V by Viacom. New stories every week. There are all kinds of fascinating insights into the future of entertainment, media, marketing, fandom. Some of the stories that are up there right now are awesome. I was just reading Nirvan Mullick's Three Rules of Creatorship. He's the director and producer who brought us that hit short film, Kane's Arcade, that has turned into a massive movement. And I love the story of how Bellator is going nuts all over the world with fans. Media is changing faster than any of us even realize. To keep up, I go to V by Viacom and I subscribe to the newsletter. You can do so too, vbyviacom.com slash subscribe. Okay, back to the show. This is Fan Club. I'm your host, Ross Martin. My next guest is the guy I had to go to for this episode because his whole job is about how you understand and leverage sneaker obsession. His name's Ron Ferris. He's the GM of the new digital innovation studio in NYC for Nike and Nike's new app, Sneakers, which literally puts the world of Nike sneakers at the fingertips of fans. Ron's completely tapped into what sneakerheads are thinking and doing. And more importantly, he studies the emotional drivers behind their behavior. He started off at Virgin Mega, where he had a startup that focused on fan experiences, and then that got bought by Nike, where he's now harnessing what he learned and all that energy of all those who love Air Jordans and Nike Dunks, Kith, Supreme. I had to get him on the show. Here he comes. Ron Farris, welcome to Fan Club. Thanks for having me. There's a lot of places I could start. I, I, I think I really just want to start with where you're at right now and what you're doing at Nike. Well, Nike is uh, it's a very surreal place, especially for fanatics. And we have the honor, really, of getting to invent new ways to connect fanatics or to allow fanatics to express their fanaticism. Mm -hmm. And when you have 
mobile phones and everyone on them super distracted by them. And when you have people who who spend 10 second you know, the 10 second attention spans of millennials, you start to run into a point where for them to express their fanaticism, you need new tools for them to hijack people's attention for 10 seconds at a time. And so getting people to connect emotionally is the essence of fanaticism. And like, that's what I geek out on. That's what I'm fanatical about. Mm -hmm. And so at Nike, we get to create new experiences for sneaker community. And the sneaker community we have is like the piranha tank, right? And we have the lab where we take and we make shit and we drop it in the piranha tank and we see how fast the piranha swarm it. What do you think it means to be a sneakerhead in 2017? <laughs> I'm still learning. Like any fanatical community, there are two parts of it. Let's call it 15 to 20% of that community is super hardcore. And 80 to 85% is casual, more casual. And that's the same in a music community. That's the same in a video game community. Any obsessive community, there are people with more time that are younger that will obsess more. And technically what they like to do is box out those that are more casual so that they can get all the high heat drops, mm -hmm. so that they can get front row at the show, so that they can kind of, you know, be top of a leaderboard of a video game. And it's alienating for a lot of those casual fans. And so where I want to take fanatical communities is to harmonize that so that the people at the top become the, we, we use the word peacock. They like to peacock a lot of their uh, knowledge of sneakers. But what they're doing is really mentoring those who are more junior so that they can discover more of the game. Mm -hmm. How does a Nike sneaker become a hit? Well, it's, it's always in the hands of the community. The community dictates it. And the one thing about this community, which I find probably the most fascinating part about this community, is that sneaker culture is shaped literally in the street every day, not by Nike, but by these boutique stores that are like mom and pop shops where people come and just talk about sneakers. And those are the true influencers. And those influencers, you can't disrespect. You have to honor them and honor their role as the OGs in the game. I would think that people imagine Nike has it easy. <laughs> the reason I say that is because it's like you, it, it just seems like any time you drop a shoe, everybody tries to catch it before everyone else. Like it's like they're just flocking to you well, anyway. You know, it takes years to build the type of brand where people obsess over wanting to purchase. So Nike is like a 43-year-old brand, pretty much. And for 40, for over 40 years, it's, it's literally the art of how they make a shoe is like no other. And they take the time to tell a story in the shoe. Greatest moment I've had at Nike so far was a tour of their DNA museum. It, it is a huge airplane hangar of their stuff. I swear. Where that is that? It's in Beaverton. It's one of the very nondescript building. And I swear the Ark of the Covenant is buried there. It's like, you know, that last scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's you go down there and all of these shoes. And there's a guy named Wilson who was a shoe designer. He designed the more air up tempo. Great guy. Super soulful. Dude. And then he made the he made the the basketballs and the tennis records. <laughs> different, different guy. Different Wilson. But um, but this guy Wilson was telling me the story of how they tell the story of a shoe and they treat shoes very similar to comic book characters when they make a shoe. Oh. 
And I used to collect comics. I'm a Marvel guy. And when I collected comics, what Marvel was exceptional at was knowing the story of a character and always being loyal to that story. They would never mash up someone with another character unless it felt organic to the story. Over the course of 50 years, Spider-Man, they knew exactly the beats of Spider-Man from point to point. Nike's the same way. When they build a shoe, they know the story of the shoe. They know the story of the shoe after it sells. They know the story of the shoe of once it becomes a collector's item, where the shoe tours in museums. They register all that. That's how much they honor their fanatics. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is magic. So Nike works really, really hard to have it that easy. Let's talk about the power of lines. Can you talk about your approach to that now? Like how you think about fans waiting on line to get so something? I, I'm obsessed with yeah. lines. I mean, my our whole pitch where lines are awesome. I started to look at lines for tickets, lines for sneakers, lines for cronuts. And the energy in a line is like no other. First of all, the first thing when you see a line is you're wondering, what the hell's that line for? Why are it, Why is everyone in line? And then if you're in the line, the one hope you have is that the line gets longer. Behind you. Behind you. Yeah. And so... Because that equals progress. Right. That, that equals <laughs> you progress. You haven't moved forward at all. At all. But, but it's just long, got... <laughs> the line gets longer behind you and you right. want to be in the line more. Right. Now the line owns you. So this dynamic I found awesome. It, you start to realize these are tailgates. The same way you tailgate a game, people would tailgate commerce. The line becomes a leaderboard for passion. See, I think what you're doing is not just creating sneakers. I think Nike creates emotion. 100%. What do you want to say to the Nike fans who are listening to this podcast? You got 10 minutes to get in line. <laughs> I love it. I want to thank Ron Ferris from Nike for coming on our show. Thanks, man. It's, it's great. It's super fun. And that's our show. Major thanks to Ryan Babenzian of Greats and Ron Ferris of Nike for joining me today and not making too much fun of my kicks. Fan Club is a V by Viacom and Pineapple Studios production. Our executive producer is the badass Brooke DeVard. Brooke, what are you a fan of? Stand-up comedy. And I'm Ross Martin. On the next Fan Club, Shepard Fairey is a giant in the art world, but he still loves collaborating with his favorite artists. Plus, hip-hop producer Swizz Beats shakes up the whole art world. All that and more next time on Fan Club. <laughs>